We're talking with MC Till from Everybody's Hip Hop and the author of Boom Bap Review. Also, Deconstruction, what is it? All on this episode of the 520 Collective Podcast. Let's go! Hey, yeah, message heavy, dope rhyme show, they not ready. Race against the time like four wheels and hands ready. Keep it steady, beat it hard and they barely give them ears and hear the truth when the light throw confetti. Yeah, message heavy, dope rhyme show, they not ready. Race against the time like four wheels and hands ready. Keep it steady, beat it hard and they barely give them ears and hear the truth when the light throw confetti. Just the flip of the watch, it's game time, game time. Five twenty collective. Listen every day, or get robbed. I'm kidding. <laughs> What's good? And welcome to the Five Twenty Collective podcast, where music meets ministry and the indie artist takes center stage. This episode is being sponsored by Josh D and the new single "Get Up." It's time to get up, throw away the fear, and start living for what matters, and that is Jesus. Matthew Tuck, Isaac Mather, and Danny J join Josh D on a song that is inspiring and full of hope. Listen to Get Up Now across digital music providers as well as trackstars.com. So what's good, everyone? This is Eric Boston, and I'm joined by my guy Zero for Hire. What up, dude? Hey, what's up, folks? What up? Man, let the people know, dude. Where do they find you? Where do they connect? Where do they follow? All that good stuff. Oh, as always, uh, thezerohour.com. And we've been we've been moving stuff over to Odyssey, kind of like a YouTube alternative platform. So if you've uh, been looking for something like that, you can join us. And uh, of course, hanging out on the Five Twenty Discord. That's what's up. And you guys know you can hit me up on Twitter at Eric Boston Three. That's at Eric Boston and the number three. So yeah, it's it's been a month, dude, uh, since the last episode. You're back, so that's fun. Yeah. How, how's the last month been? Yeah, for that's you? good news. Uh Lots of things have happened. Uh, I got fired. That's, that's That hasn't happened since I was a teenager. I, I mean, are you saying that, like, you still got it? Like, is that the approach you're taking with that? Like, hey, this hasn't happened since I'm a teenager, but I still got it in me? Or or, or how are you approaching that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have said that as I was leaving the office. Like, still got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's man. hilarious. No. Um, no, yeah, that's... That's just basically been it. Like my last week has just been job applications and all that f- and that, that fun stuff. Um, it really helps you to prioritize what's important in life. I mean, you know, over here we're just trying to survive the cold and the snow and the ice and stuff. I know it's not as bad as it is in Michigan, so don't start <laughs> in on me with that. But yeah, did you guys get like a whole inch of snow? Oh my god! No, I mean we got <laughs> we got probably. I want to say around seven inches. It was it okay. Was a, that's was a, that's formidable. Yeah, it was a good little amount. So all my friends down in Texas, they're acting like they're on the movie Snowpiercer. They're like, "Oh, we got an inch of snow. We don't own any pants." Meanwhile, I'm grilling in literally seven degree weather. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's been fun. But I've been looking forward to getting on this month's episode. Man, we got a great uh, industry insider interview coming up in the second segment with MC Till from Everybody's Hip Hop. So make sure you guys stick around. For that, it was a fantastic conversation with a guy with strong ties to the Christian hip-hop community. But more than that, Zero Man, we're kicking off a series here on the podcast. And it is the first like actual series that we've done on the show. So that's going to be you know something new, something exciting, uh, at least from my perspective on it. Because, yeah, I just want to see how it goes, trying to you know have a little series happening. And we're going to be talking about deconstruction man it's something i know you and i have talked a lot about you know off air um behind the scenes yeah. but we get to talk about it here on the podcast now moving forward well i've got some special mood lighting set up for this topic because uh it's a deep one yeah get your popcorn get your mood lighting actually hit pause and do go get some popcorn and some jelly beans because we're gonna take you on the wild ride and you might need a box of tissues it may get emotional yeah so well let's start with this question man i think that the question to start with is why do we feel like we need to talk about deconstruction and i think there's a few answers to this if we talk about it specifically within the christian rap space right uh, i think it's something that 
we've seen that this space has been touched by this a lot, especially recently, with a ver- variety of different outcomes, right, as well. But what what would be your answer as to why it's important for us to discuss deconstruction, not just as a podcast or as, you know, a community within a subgenre, but let's just talk about, like, as the body of Christ, man. Like, why is this something that we need to be hitting on at this point? Honestly, I feel like it's because we're forced to. I've known about deconstruction. I've he- I've heard these conversations, and I've done a real good job to avoid these conversations for more than 10 years and I was hoping that it would just kind of graze by and we wouldn't have to deal with it but now we have so many of our well-known Christian celebrity Christian musicians uh, even some people in the theological space that are quote-unquote deconstructing their faith that it's not something that we can avoid talking about anymore you and I have talked we get a chance though to sit back kind of take the wider view of this thing and break it down because i mean here's what i feel is that there's a lot of people that hear this term deconstruction get thrown around and maybe you have a rough idea of what it means but i don't don't think a lot of people truly understand the purpose or kind of where it comes from and you know why someone would consider deconstructing their faith you know the thing to kind of start with i guess would be that deconstruction actually didn't begin as anything to do with religion or faith, right? Deconstruction started in the literary realm, right? It was about literature and, and deconstructing writings and, and word usage and connecting it to other writings and figuring out meaning, right? I mean, that's essentially where it started. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I, I want to say Rousseau, I, I, I'm going to have to look up the philosopher's name. I had that window open and I accidentally closed it. So yeah, Rousseau's work. I think to really get into this discussion, we need, we need to define deconstruction in order to move forward and, and go deeper with it. So let's look at a couple. I know you've got a couple. I've looked at a couple. Let's, let's look like if someone was to just randomly go and do a search for deconstruction, these are some examples that you might find in trying to explain what this means. And, and zero, I'm going to go ahead and start with this first one. I, I looked it up at, uh, okay. Wordnik and Wordnik had a, had a few different definitions that they offered. Uh, the first one being a philosophical movement and a theory of literary criticism that questions traditional assumptions about certainty, identity, and truth. Uh, their second definition was the undoing of what has been constructed or done. And the third, again, goes back to a a, a philosophical theory of criticism, usually of literature or film, that seeks to expose deep-seated contradictions in a work by delving below its surface meaning. So, as we can see there, we're talking about these assumptions, right? These things that we just kind of take at face value, right? Without thinking about what is deeper, what, what goes beyond it, what it really means, and how it really applies to life or in this case you yeah. know, a lot of literature and film right and right off the bat i want to point out in those definitions that you got there's a i, I want to draw attention to the platitudinous nature like they don't exactly tell you what they're saying or what they mean by what they're saying in the definition it's almost as if it's intended to be confusing and i'm not saying that because i don't understand the words right well i think essentially what you're talking about from a literary standpoint is you know another one that i saw talked about the relationship between the text and meaning right and there's a lot of argument of words words are what give other words their meaning so therefore how much meaning can there really be i guess i guess if i try to look at it in the in the literary realm i can kind of understand i'd honestly don't know if there's much of a point <laughs> of it if we're going to be well when you explain honest. it that way it makes much more sense than what we heard in the definition yeah like you actually gave it a functional definition of something that you can that's even concrete in, in the definitions that i had it was the analytic examination of something such as theory in order to reveal its an- inadequacy and at least you're getting to some sort of purpose or concrete definition of what you're actually after even if you don't get a mechanical like how to you know how to step by step the other one i have here is a a theory used in the study of literature or philosophy which says that a piece of writing does not just have one meaning and that the meaning depends on the reader so i feel like those were a lot more concrete and it gave you a little bit more insight as to the purpose or the structure of what was going on versus these like 
a lot of the definitions out here are verbose or platitudinous or both. And it's it's confusing and it doesn't do justice to the reader or the listener because they want to know what they're supposed to be doing. And then you just give them this word salad that doesn't mean anything. There's two things that stood out for me with it that I feel carries over from the literary side over to the world of applying it to our faith, right? And one of those being that these philosophers, right, when they're looking at written text, one thing that they were doing was they were going in and looking for stuff to be wrong. And I feel like that's something when we dive into the world of belief that a lot of people who decide to deconstruct their faith really are trying to do. They're, they're looking at for stuff to be wrong instead of looking at, okay, what needs to be made stronger, right? Which And we'll get into that more in a minute. The second thing that you said that stood out is that how it talked about the reader deciding what it means to them. I feel like that is an aspect that definitely has carried over to deconstruction as far as like religion. Honestly, it's something that kind of scares me a little bit. Now, when I took it a step further, right? So those were my initial results whenever I was looking at deconstruction and looking at definitions of deconstruction, right? So I took it a little step further. I said, okay, well, what about defining deconstruction as it applies to one's faith? And at gotquestions.org, it said the heading most recently applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian faith. You talked about how deconstruction is nothing new, right? It's been around for a long time, starting with literary. And then even whenever you're talking about deconstructing one's faith, that's not something that's you know brand new either, right? It, it really kind of started in, in Europe. Um, I want to say, what, like during the 70s, there was a big deconstruction movement in Europe where a lot of people left the faith. At that point, yeah, under the banner of deconstruction. And whenever you read this kind of definition from gotquestions.org, I think they're even alluding to that, right? The heading most recently applied. So really, they're even saying, you know, what we're seeing is not new. We've just called it different things, right? But there's always been people that have questioned. There's always been people that's doubted. I mean, if we want, if we want, we could go all the way back to Jesus and, and to Thomas, right? And, and Thomas doubting. You know, was Thomas the first person to deconstruct? I mean, I think you could make that argument a little bit. Uh, maybe not to the extreme that we're seeing now, but uh, if it's truly about questioning and doubting, yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But then one thing, you know, that final part, which is the thing that I don't think we can have in our definition, ideally, ideally, I'll say that. We're going to talk about it some more here, but, you know, it says ultimately rejecting aspects of the Christian faith. What What's your response to that, man? This is kind of what we talked about when, when we first started flirting with the idea of talking about this topic. It seemed that there were people who kind of made up their minds already and were looking for permission and or some logical strain of thought or at least something that they could point to as a logical string of thought as as a reason for leave, for leaving their faith. Does that make sense? Like they had already made the decision and now they were just looking for the mechanism that would enable them to do so. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't know. Any, I, I, like I said, I, I've got some more, man. So anything else you want to hit on before I move on to this next or, or introduce this next idea? Well, here? yeah, touching on what you were saying about this not being not being new like we said this, we, this one this is one of the early people on this writers composer whatever um jacques jacques rousseau this is back in the 1700s right so this is in the beginning of the 1700s in that whole french philosophy movement we keep seeing these types of thoughts rediscovered and reread by people who are skeptic and looking for something to glom onto. they already have these ideas in their mind and we'll we'll try to culturally put these things to rest and and answer these questions but then the questions aren't being dealt with culturally we might we might try but i don't feel like we're adequately dealing with a lot of these things and so what we're just seeing is this old 300 year old monster rearing its ugly head again and now now it's aimed at white evangelicalism i don't know it's upsetting and it's it's pretty weak sauce because i've i've read some of this stuff and the two criticisms I keep coming away with is either it's weak arguments or it's a it's platitudinous at best. It, because the goal isn't to have a structure. 
Maybe I'm going too far. Well, I think that what we're ultimately going to come to a conclusion of, the problem that we see with, or, or most instances of someone deconstructing their faith is that they're not going full circle. They're not going through the entire process. They're leaving out the a very critical last step. Where you put it all back together. Yeah, and we're going to talk... So. So let me talk about Josh DeKaiser for a minute. I found I, I was reading an article by Josh DeKaiser, and I will link it in the show notes uh, if you if you guys are interested in that. But so Josh DeKaiser, he went to to seminary, right? He and when he got to seminary, a lot of people that were there were deconstructing their faith, and so he just kind of felt like, well, this is I guess this is what I got to do too. But Josh DeKaiser is one example of someone who actually kind of came out the other end and didn't just walk away, which I feel is rare. And we even, when we look at these other definitions, right? I mean, I think they even imply or lend themselves to, okay, people are not going to stick with it if they go through this process, or at least the majority of the time. DeKaiser in this article kind of gives his de- definition of deconstruction. Now, this is, this is going to take a minute, so stick with me here. It starts by saying deconstruction is the opposite of both construction and destruction. So the opposite of both of those two things, right? And what does he mean by that? He means that deconstruction is... The, it's the Wait, say that again. It's the opposite it's of... It's the opposite of both construction and destruction. <laughs> sure. Okay, go ahead. Well, and, le- well and let me, di- and let me, and let me give you a little bit more into his meaning on, on that particular phrase. So he's saying that deconstruction in the sense that something falls apart simply means that it's destroyed and entails a process of both taking apart and assembling. Uh, so it's not that our faith is just being destroyed by something or falling apart on its own. Deconstruction is purposefully taking something apart and, and looking for the weak points. He goes on to say, it is the responsible identification of the constructed elements of one's faith and then taking them apart in order to see the underlying layers of construction, wondering what might be useful again in what configuration so we deconstruct from a constructed reality we're self-involved we're in search of truth but we're never there wherever that is i think the kaiser is saying a lot of things here man uh, a lot of good things and a lot of stuff that really applies to what we're seeing happening in our space i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it over to you for a second yeah though. it, it... It kind of sounds like just a, a loose interpretation of what I'm hearing. It kind of sounds like this perpetual angst that that teenagers have, right? Where you're you're all you're constantly a seeker. You're constantly looking for truth. You're constantly digging for meaning. You're constantly improving things, but you never actually get to a solution or an end goal because that's never the goal in the first place. Right? Because if you knew. If you genuinely were looking for solid truth and solid answers, you would find truth and then you would you would stake a claim there before you ventured on. I I don't I don't I don't jive with that. And I think that's why it's a constant attack on Christianity. Well, and like what you're saying is, you know, really you got to be looking for uh, something deeper than simply starting to question your faith, right? Not even looking for something deeper, like looking for like if you're if you're stuck in a tree, and you want to get down, you don't just jump out of the tree. You look for the next branch down that's solid enough to hold you. Finding truth is incremental. You find these solid truths and you eventually you'll find a greater truth. It's never good enough. Even the partial truths aren't good enough for them. They just want to constantly be in this perpetual angst and confusion. And I think it's addictive. It's looking at those underlying layers like you're talking about, right? And figuring out how they're going to be useful again in the proper configuration, right? So it's very possible that we've been given these these foundational pieces, but given to us in such a way that they're not being utilized at full strength. And that's fine. I think at, at its core... Christianity is a religion that's based upon deconstructing like we should be looking at what what do we believe and why and making it stronger all the time right that's the key part that gets left out in my opinion so many people take it apart look at it leave it laying there and then it's useless it's useless if you don't put it back together yeah I mean I think at its purest form deconstruction can be a good thing the problem is, is that we don't keep it at its purest form, right? We don't do with it what it's intended to do. We, 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 we try to make it fit what we want, right? And that's what we're seeing a lot of people say here. You know, it's not meant as a way to simply leave the faith without giving it much thought. I think a lot of people that decide to deconstruct, they have a different issue that they're dealing with. And deconstruction seems like an easy way out. And here's another thing. If, if deconstruction is useful, 
which I, I'm not convinced that it is. I've, I've found that I've taken some steps toward deconstructing other things. Uh, my persona in, in terms of like my music career and the person that I played on stage. I've, I've taken the deconstructing that and trying to find out why I'm doing that. But it's not a you in my case, I don't feel like it's been useful or helpful. All I found was criticisms that didn't help me. I wasn't looking for criticisms. I wasn't looking for another way to doubt myself. I wanted to understand more deeply what I was doing and why I was doing it. And I don't think that deconstruction well, personally helped me in that respect. But but I also think that what you said is exactly what deconstruction is about. If you're going into it simply with complaints and something to criticize, I mean, how do you expect the outcome to go? But if you are looking, if you are deconstructing with the purpose of finding that deeper purpose and to make your beliefs stronger and to be more secure and certain, I think that's at the heart of this deconstruction idea. I think maybe that's the intention and I don't know, but I still feel like there is something maybe adjacent to this it'd be like this fish is really bad at riding a bicycle and you're like well your problem is you got these these stupid fins and what's the scales about and how are you even breathing you got gills and you're not giving them any solutions you're just criticizing them for not not having legs or whatever like he and he's never going to know what the answer is he's just going to be like oh i can't ride this bike because i got these stupid fins like that's deconstruction that at least that's how i see it and i feel like there has there has to be a better way of finding purpose if that's your goal I, I feel I feel like if we look in the mirror and we're able to be completely honest at the core of it, we're challenging some of our own shortcomings. We're, we're, we're saying, oh, you know, forgive me my disbelief. Well, maybe not forgive me, but that's what we should be saying is forgive me my disbelief in these situations. Right. In order so that I can be stronger, so that I can stand more firmly. But there's a big there's a big but there's a big but here. But it all goes back to. What's your initial purpose in deciding that you want to go through this kind of process? Because that plays a big, big role in where you're going to ultimately end up. Like if your mind is already made up that I'm trying to get out, I just don't want to look like I just gave up. I want to do something first to save a little face. Then yeah, why not? Why not say, oh, well, I'm going to do this knowing we're, yeah, this is highly complex you know uh intellectual process that no one can explain to you that's a good way out like i go back let's go back to the textual or the literary criticism uh literary deconstruction when you approach somebody else's work a responsible reader and it's a responsible way to interpret that text is what did the writer have in, in mind when he wrote this but instead you're saying what does this mean to me how do i see it and so you can you can immediately begin the shift any any type of word that has a double meaning you can just make it whatever you want and that's already like a huge issue like you ever talk to somebody and you use a word and they just totally take it the wrong way and you're like that's not what i meant and like the writer's not there to defend himself so that's kind of like arrogant in in, in it's on its face you're not even trying to do the work to understand what the writer meant and then based on your interpretation of somebody else's work without them there to defend themselves then you proceed to criticize it from everything that you perceive to be a flaw like you just totally throw this person's work under the bus on a literary scale like may not even be the purpose or the or the meaning behind things but using the words and, and eventually what you'll just what you'll come to a conclusion of like this doesn't really mean anything because you deem it so like that's the process for deconstruction yeah like go to your wife and tell her you want to deconstruct your marriage see how that works out well i think we're kind of getting into some of the stuff that we're going to look at closer in these following episodes. Again, you know, we want to, you know, come to some sort of working definition for, for these purposes here. But I will say, man, like if I was to say that I'm going to start deconstructing my faith tomorrow and I'm doing it because I'm upset about something or because I don't like something, that would honestly scare me. Like you're not even advised to drive when you're bad mood. But if I'm, Saying, hey, I see, I, I see the bones, right? And, and I see how, I see their purpose and, and what they hold on them. I just feel like they can be stronger. Let me, let me find the things that's going to make them better. Then maybe, that's then maybe I'm coming from the right place. You know, I don't know. Let me just use the example of I grew up mostly in the same church throughout my, my youth, right? So therefore I heard the same voice or voices explaining 
God in his word to me. And whenever I got to college, you know, I, I had that, the, the same scripture presented in ways that it had not been presented to me before. Right. It, it kind of opened my eyes and, and caused me to see thing, some things differently, not in a negative way necessarily, but I think it gave me a fuller scope of what was there. That's the way I kind of, and that has to be, and, and that's the way I kind of see deconstruction. There has to be a word for that. Right? That's not deconstruction. I, I don't think that's deconstruction. Well, the, I think the reason why we're talking about deconstruction. I mean, obviously, I'm taking an, a very adversarial approach to deconstruction itself to right. the process. Ta- ta- yeah, because we, it, right now we got yeah. we got take we got take out the bias, right? We got to take out the assumption that this is a bad thing. I know we see a lot of negative come from this but are we able to boil it down to just something you know that that doesn't fall on either side that falls in the middle right now in order to try to i gra- don't think so because i think that it's duplicitous by nature i think from its inception it's a duplicitous process by nature it was a way for rousseau to get the upper hand in arguments i don't think it was ever meant to be sincere and that's why I'm so adversarial against it. Yeah. If there's a way in order to find a kind of middle ground here, a, a baseline that doesn't lean one way or the other, I'm willing to try to look for it. You know, and that and that's where I'm coming from on this. Uh, that's where I hope we can come at from this. Do I worry that ultimately as we go through this series, we are going to come to the conclusion that, yeah, I don't want to... like. I, It'll break my heart any, every time I hear someone say they're going to deconstruct their faith. Quite possibly, you know, quite possibly that's yeah, what we because end up. I don't want to. I don't want to lend credibility of introspection or inspection yeah. to something that's I, claiming I, not to be those I, things. I, I want. I want to. because that's what, what I feel like we're doing is we're taking we're taking this idea and it's claiming to be what we refer to as inspection or introspection. I, I want, and that's not, and it, but it's also wanting to be different. Like you can't have it both ways. Yeah, I, I want, I want to believe that there is some neutral area in this. You know what I'm saying? I, that's why I want to believe, at least for now, because I want to, I want to, I, I want to believe that there's people who go into a process of deconstruction with genuine purpose to to come out, to come through it better, stronger, more, more sure than they currently are. I'll try to be here to help pick you up after the process because I feel like <laughs> introspection is a much healthier process. But I think, but I do think it comes down to a lot of times that final step is skipped. Of it's easy to take something apart and look at it and not put it back together and put it back together better. A lot of times when we do try to put stuff back together, right? Like I, I don't know just pick something right if i if i bought an rc car for my for my kids right and i decided hey i think i could make this go faster if i took it apart and did a little bit of something man probably more than likely by the time i put that thing back together it's gonna work worse than before i took it <laughs> apart right but that's exactly um, why i there is the possibility though that i could put it back together better at the same time right on either way let's let's that's safe that's too safe let's take your car before you and your family go on a cross-country vacation. Before you trust that car to you and your family, you want to take that car apart piece by piece and judge each piece and deem it worthy for you and your family's safety. And then you're going to put it back together. You don't know how a car works. Not to that degree. But you're going to do that anyway because you are the judge of whether or not it's it's worthy of carrying you and your family. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I think that this is why this topic of deconstruction isn't something that fits into one podcast episode why it's got to be uh multiples here because there's a lot of things to look at let's do this because i think in order to have these additional conversations we do have to have some sort of a definition that we are willing to agree on so based off everything we've kind of talked about man what would be a definition that you would give for deconstruction that you would uh feel confident enough with moving forward the one that i'm most confident in is from miriam webster it's the second definition the analytic examination of something in order to reveal its inadequacy i would say i agree i i I think it needs that additional part on there though if we make it even a little simpler looking at something or a belief in this case right looking at a belief breaking it down into its pieces figuring out where it's weak but then making sure we put it back together and that it's stronger by doing so. Certain yeah, I think that's a fair 
I think that's a fair warning to kind of let people know, like, okay, now when you're done taking this apart, you got to put it back together. Yeah, because... But I think all of the fun, all of the allure is in the deassembling, disassembling of the faith. But then you're stuck there with all these pieces. Well, now you got to put it back together. And, that and, wants to, and that's the challenge that I want to put out to people is like, hey, don't miss the final crucial step. If you're going to do this, make sure you put it back together and make sure you don't just leave it laying there because you're not going to have it anymore. I feel like this is a good start. I feel, I feel like this is a good jumping off point. Like we said, you know, this isn't a simple 45 minute conversation and you're done with deconstruction. So we'll be, we'll be back here next month, man. Who knows what'll happen by then? It could be a lot. It could be a whole lot of nothing. We'll find out, but we'll talk about it uh, on the next episode. Yo, what's up? It's your boy Aaron Cole, and you're rocking with 520 Collective. Keep it locked. Artist, what is the key to getting your music to your target listener? Making sure that your catalog is available where people are listening. Trackstars is helping independent artists do just that with Nectar Distro. Sign up for Nectar today to have your music delivered for you to all the major digital streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, SoundCloud, YouTube, and much, much more. Go to 520collective.com slash Nectar, that's N-E-C-T-A-R now, to sign up and keep 100% of your royalties along with all of your music rights. With monthly payouts, comprehensive reports, especially tools like the Single Maximizer and Account Management Services, along with a dedicated team that understands your needs as an artist, it really is hard to beat what Nectar Distro and Trackstars bring to the table. So hit up 520collective.com slash Nectar to get started now. Hey guys, I want to say thank you for listening to the 520 Collective Podcast. This month's Industry Insider interview is coming up in just a moment. Before we listen in, make sure to check out 520collective.com. It is the home for indie news and faith-based hip-hop. Follow us on social media, including Twitter and Instagram at 520 underscore co. Also, to get exclusive content, hit up our Audio Mac account where you'll find extended interviews, playlists, and more. Let's jump into this month's interview. Welcome to this month's Industry Insider Interview, brought to you officially by Bookkeeper247.com. What's good? Welcome to another Industry Insider Interview here on the 520 Collective Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by the Bookkeeper 24-7. Go and check them out at tbk247.com. Daryl and the team, they are supporting christian hip-hop over there guys and you need to support them because they got a real heart for the culture and they're looking to not only help to establish the christian hip-hop scene but to make sure they're doing all things kingdom building so go check them out tbk247.com yeah guys you know me i'm eric boston and joining me on the 520 collective phone line uh man he is from everybody's hip-hop author of the boom bap review uh man and he and he's got some ties to the christian hip-hop scene which i'm sure we can talk about as well uh joining me now is mc till how you doing sir man i'm doing great man doing great glad to be here thanks for the opportunity to come and chat man really appreciate it a hundred percent man and you know i got um i've kind of been watching what's going on with uh you know specifically the boom bap review and you know that led me into everybody's hip-hop and, and following like stow and that you know eventually led me to you right so it's been really cool just kind of watching from the outside for a little bit to now getting connected with you and, and just being able to to chop it up for a little bit man so I, I really you know just appreciate what you guys do over there man yeah man likewise likewise appreciate that appreciate it. so let, let's talk about um, well, let's talk about your background uh, just a little bit before we jump into everybody's hip hop. Um, cause you're an artist as well, right? Like how, how long have you been part of music and, and making it and, and all that goes along with that? Yeah, man, from a very young age, uh, when I was a kid memorizing, you know, digital underground lyrics and ice tea lyrics, and De La Soul and, my brother, who is three years older than me, he was, you know, starting, he was rapping with his friends for class projects and stuff. And I thought that was so cool. And yeah, so I just got into it as a, a very young kid and then, you know, started taking it really seriously, you know, as a young adult and, you know, started to, to realize I could actually perform and rap for people. And I would say I started to like, you know, pursue it in a very serious manner, 
you know, as a young adult. I was doing it for fun, you know, middle school and high school, but as a young adult, you know, after high school, college age, that's when I really, really jumped into it and, you know, really have been immersed in it ever since. So it's, it's been, a, it's been a minute, man. It's been fun. A lot of, a lot of, uh, great memories, uh, that hip hop has brought. Right, right, for sure. And you, um, actually attribute kind of one of the early albums that, you know, kind of captured your attention was Three Foot High and Rising by De La Soul, man. What was it about that album that just kind of drew you into hip hop? Yeah, I think, you know, before that album, you know, I remember Biz Markie and, you know, LL Cool J and, and Beastie Boys and, and artists like that and thought they were just so cool and was really, you know, captivated by the music and thought it was really cool. But when I heard the Three Feet High and Rising, I think that's what made me want to actually participate and like write lyrics and, you know, make beats and, and that, that type of thing. I, and I think it was just, the album was just so different. Um, and it was, ah, not that it was different, but like, you know, albums, albums that I had heard before that were like, it was like great music. So it was like great songs, 10 great songs or 11, 12 great songs. But Three Feet High and Rising was like an adventure. It was like an experience. There was like skits on there, but like the skits were also kind of songs, but then some of the songs sounded like skits. And then there was like skit skits. And then there was like songs that were actually songs. So like, it was just like, like I said, it was just like this experience of this like musical adventure. And I don't know, I just got wrapped up in it. And I was like, yeah, I, w- I want to do something like this. And so, so I did. Yeah, I got, got started after that. Yeah, man. And I love, I love that explanation because sometimes, you know, it's for, for if you're interacting with someone that's not really a fan of hip hop, it can be hard to explain what it is about it, you know, that really just draws people in and creates these strong connections. And I think the way you just explained it is a fantastic way to, to try to explain that to somebody. And, and I think that's what's really cool about what you guys do with everybody's hip hop is because it's not just like we're trying to get known, you know, in, in this genre or, or, or this style of music, you guys are really taking like an educational approach and, and teaching people. Right. I mean, that, is, is that kind of like the purpose of where everybody's hip hop kind of came from? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, it, it's all about like our mission statement is about building community, you know, uh, around hip hop. And so, yeah, the education piece is, is really big for us. And, and a lot of it is through listening, like trying to create experiences where we can listen to one another, you know. And, and obviously, you know, with within the crew, there's different levels. Uh, you know, some folks are really, you know, jumping in the books and reading all the time. Others are just experiencing things. Others just listening. So there's different levels um, even within the crew. And so, like, even within the crew, it's like we listen to each other a lot. Like, ah, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't. I'm not really sure I know about that. Tell me more. So we we really try to cultivate that type of, you know, type of culture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, you were talking about just how you came up and developed as an artist. Um, you actually have some connection to Christian hip hop as well. So you kind of understand this space at the same time. Did a album with K-Drama. And it's it's been a minute since that album, right? Like, about how long back was that? Man, it's been a long minute. Two thousand, that was like two thousand four, two thousand five, maybe. Yeah, I moved to Cincinnati uh, around that time, and I I don't even know where I was, but I I was rapping somewhere, and K Drama was there, and somehow we both had the idea of asking each other to rap at our events that we had going on and like i asked him or he asked me one of the and he was like oh yeah i was gonna ask you or vice versa and we're like oh so so we barely even knew each other and then shortly after we wrapped at each other's events i think i pitched them the idea like yo you want to do this album together he's like yeah okay <laughs> as you know k john was a fun guy so he, he was on board and yeah so we just made it happen and did did not extensive touring but did some spot dates that was a lot of fun traveling around with k-drama doing shows so he's a good guy you know we talked about everybody's hip-hop having this educational piece but you guys also do a fantastic job of keeping the history of the culture you know in people's 
forefront of their thoughts, right? So, so let's let's dive into everybody's hip hop, man, because I, you know, I think you guys are doing so many different things that are needed and valuable. Um, when, when uh, around when did everybody's hip hop kind of start evolving and becoming a kind of a, a thing for you guys? That is a great question. Uh, I don't know when exactly, what year, like 2016, 17, maybe. You know, I from an early age, I just, I just started doing stuff, rapping, making albums, making beat tapes, performing, throwing events. And everybody's hip hop label was just kind of another thing I just tried. And it, it kind of changed and morphed over a few years. And then at some point, I was doing the, the Boom Bap Chats, you know, the, the podcast that we do. And I was doing it myself. And I thought, man, I really need to get some co-hosts. And somehow, some way, I, I got reconnected with Ayo Mas Marad, a really dope MC out of Chicago. And uh, he's in Canada now, but from Chicago. And the same day or the next day, I got connect, reconnected with him. I got connected with this cat named Cole Found, also from Chicago, who's really good friends with Ayo Mas Marad that I, I didn't even know those two knew each other. And somehow the three of us just kind of connected. It was very divine how it happened. And I asked both of them to be, you know, co-hosts and they said yes. And so they were on board a year or so before that when we started the book, uh, launched that with my man, uh, Big Stowe, Michael Stover and Bill Brown. And uh, Joe November was, was there helping us with that. So I kind of got connected with Joe online. So there's just all these connections that kind of happened very organically, you know, almost in divine fashion over a few years and kind of where we are now, where we have this kind of united front, the six of us. And uh, yeah, we put out the podcast, you know, almost every week we take some holidays off. And then, you know, we got the book every year, magazines and, and you know, the educational piece that you're talking about. So, so all of us together kind of on a united front, that kind of has gelled and cemented over like the past year. Um, but the idea that kind of sparked it all, that got it all going is, a, like I said, about four years or so uh, in the making. Yeah. So, so everybody's hip hop, it's a label, but, but so much more, right? So you guys are creating music. Um, so let, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that right now. Like kind of, you know, what do you want to say about the, the musical aspect of everybody's hip hop? I know you guys have some some new stuff in the works what do you want to talk about yeah well musically the label is set up to be very different from your you know typical label i mean labels typically release music and we do however we've really invested a lot of time and energy on figuring out how to find an audience and we're still working on that daily because we want to be able to to bring artists you know partner with artists and say hey we have an audience and if we do an album with you that album will immediately go to our audience and so it'll be a boost to their career uh if it's you know an artist that doesn't have that type of exposure yet um then we'll be able to help them so we spent a lot of time on that as far as the music that we are putting out uh we have uh, speaking of io mosman rod his first project uh in several years is coming out uh this month later this month so that on Bandcamp be a Bandcamp exclusive right now so that's exciting that we have, I produced an album, another album for an MC named AC the Entity, who is a really dope MC. I really like this MC a lot. And we did an album together a few years ago called Power, where I did all the beats and did the lyrics. And so we're re-upping for another Power. I'm not sure the name of it yet, but it's basically Power Part 2. And that'll be out uh, in May of this year. And then we also have an album uh, from Profound, uh, the Chicago MC I was telling you about that, that hooked up with us. And, um, his album should be out later uh, this year as well. So, and we got some, man, we got some really dope producers, uh, beats from some really dope producers in the mix that we're currently writing to and figuring out how to structure those. We have a lot of music that we're going to be putting out, but again, taking our time and really, really delving into how to how do we find the audience that is interested in this type of you know music. So that's what we spend a lot of our time. So the the other question I wanted to ask you was you talked about working with artists through the label when, when you're talking about potentially creating a partnership there like what are you looking for out of an artist that you guys would consider working with uh usually just fun and good music you know for the if we're working with an artist that has a similar reach as we do or if we have more reach in that scenario it's like all right dope like 
we can share each other's audiences and platforms and kind of cross promote and expand both of our reach a little bit. And we can offer you something. You can offer us something. Typically, what I like to do is, is I really, I'm really trying to build up our Patreon following. And part of the, the perk of supporting us monthly is whenever we do an album, the, our supporters get it first and foremost. So like the IOMAS Marad project went out to our supporters like a month ago. And so that's something that I really like to see, you know, when I'm working with the artist, that's one of the first questions, you know, if we put out an album, do you mind if I send it to our, our people, our supporters first and foremost, like, you know, months before we release it to the general public. Um, that helps us because that's a perk for our supporters. And then on, for the artist perspective, it's like, all right, that, that's a perk for our side. Your perk is, you know, you, you release this to your streaming platform and, you know, under your name. And then like that kind of lives with you. And so, you know, it's just kind of a win-win. So, but, but really just look, look for dope artists, you know, that have their stuff together. I don't really, we're not really in the business of like, you know, artist development as far as like your, your skills on the mic, but like, you gotta be dope and you already have to be dope and already have to have a process of recording, right? So we don't do like studio time or anything like that. You already have to have that, you know, situated. But we all, we really do strive to be able to, to help artists with their, you know, their marketing and reaching their audience and, you know, how to post and how often to post and how to speak and how to engage, you know, people and, and just helping them creatively, you know, roll out an album. So it's not just like, this Thursday night, my album drops. But there's a whole, you know, multi-month, month before the release, month after the release. Here's a, you know, a whole spreadsheet of what we can do, you know, to market it and promote it, to get people ready for it, to follow up with people after it drops. Um, so we'd like to be able to provide those resources uh, to artists that we work with. So yeah, so just a few thoughts on artists we work with. That's amazing. That's amazing. And if an artist is interested in potentially touching base with you guys and, and seeing if there is a connection there or, or seeing if there's, you know, a, a potential relationship that can build, like how, how do you expect them to reach out to you and kind of, you know, get those initial contacts happening? Yeah. just I mean, we're all over uh, social media. So, I mean, I'm at NC till, uh, everybody's hip hop label is on, you know, Facebook and Instagram. So, you know, just see a post, comment on it, find, you know, find the DM, hit us up. We're very reachable, uh, and just, you know, reach out and send us a link, say hello. Now it is different. Like there are some in our crew that's like, you better approach us the right way, not spam us. I'm just like, yo, just hit me up however you want. I don't care. I'll, if I got time, I'll check it out, you know and uh, give it a listen. So, yeah, just reach out to us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And guys, again, joining me on the 520 Collective phone line from Everybody's Hip Hop, it is MC Till. Again, that website is boombapreview.com. And the book, which you guys have your third edition out now of the book, the Boom Bap Review, man. Uh, I, I love it. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, the series is inspiring us here at 520 Collective. Um, so just know that for sure right off the bat. But, you, you know, this is your third year doing it. Talk about how the book just kind of came to be, man. Yeah. So, and thank you, by the way, man. I really appreciate that. The book originally, I like, you remember in the back of like magazine hip hop, you know, at Double XL and the Source, they have like release dates of like new albums. Do you remember this? Yeah. So that kind of went away. But then there was like hip hop websites like hiphopsite.com and hip hop DX and underground blog. So there was these websites that would have release dates. And I would go there all the time, like, oh, when's this album coming out? Oh, I didn't know about this album. And then those kind of went away. And I, I just found myself one day like searching, like, where can I find new release dates? And I couldn't find them and I don't like to complain. So I thought, all right, I'll just do it. I'll be the source. Everybody's hip hop label. That's one service we'll provide. But what I found was it was really hard to get release dates because artists are just releasing music like crazy left and right. So they're not spending a lot of time on sending out release dates. They're just sending out the album. So that turned, that idea turned into, well, I'll just, I'll just start a list every month, an ongoing list of albums that come out that month that I think are dope. So I started that list, and after a few months, I was like, oh my goodness, at the end of this year, we're going to have a pretty extensive list. 
of dope boom bap hip hop albums. So the original idea was just to release like a pretty small book, almost like pamphlet like book, where we just list out a hundred albums. And that was basically it. But then I thought, wait a minute, we could put a little more meat to this thing. And so that's when the idea came in to write some reviews and write some retrospective pieces. And then year two, we added the hip hop essays uh, to the book. And then, you know, uh, this past book, volume three, we added a few, you know, uh, more authors, some more writers. And so it just kind of has grown and built every year since. But it started with that one idea of just a, a release date source. Right, 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 right. And then, I mean, obviously it's called Boom Bap Review, but it's not strictly Boom Bap, although the majority of it is, right? Like, what's the criteria that you guys are looking at whenever it comes to deciding whether an album is going to, you know, make the cut for the book? Yeah, so we're actually rethinking how we do this right now. So if 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 your audience, anyone has ideas on the criteria that we should use, please, please hit me up. Let me know what your thoughts are. Um, up to this point, there's, there's a link that an album has to, to meet. I mean, we, we, I think we say like 20. Oh man, I can't remember, but there's a link. So like, if it's just like an EP of like three songs, we can put it in there, but not the top 100 albums. So there's a link that you have to meet. And then for the most part, it's just me listening to the music and deciding which ones I think are really dope. And then, you know, the guys in the group, you know, if there's an album that comes out, they're like, yo, this should really go in the book, you know, because it's super dope. And so we'll put that in there. Um, but up to this point, mostly just me, just kind of, because li- I just listened to so much. Um, just kind of, you know, going through all the albums that come out and just kind of categorizing them. Now, one thing that I do um, that I want to put a little bit more meat to is like I albums that have a, a more positive message to them, I tend to rank those a little higher. And it's because I think that's important. I think having a good message that is uplifting is an important attribute to a good album. Now, there are albums where I feel like the message is not all that uplifting, but I can't deny the talent. You know, I can't deny how dope it is. So those albums certainly, you know, get listed too. Um, But I definitely put a little more weight on albums that have that more positive message to them. So... With this being the third installment of it, in, well, in 2021, so it came out in November, right? How, just from your side of it, how, how are you feeling as far as just like the momentum that this thing has got? Because it seems like, you know, you guys are definitely growing that support behind this publication, man. Like, what's that like sitting on your side of it as the author of this series? Yeah, it feels great. I mean, it, it feels so great that we are releasing you know, book mid-year this year that's going to be similar format, but about, you know, the Native Tongue Collective. So we feel like there is momentum. And so we're going to try to capitalize on that, you know, with uh, another book uh, mid-year. And, you know, just the exciting thing is like people get these books and like they immediately post about them. And we don't tell people to. I mean, there, there are artists, there are promotional copies that we'll send out. We're like, yo, if you like it, you know, can you share it for us. But people buy the book and immediately take a picture like yo, i just got my copy and people are talking about how this is like the annual tradition for them and how their their you know their spouse bought this book for them for christmas and stuff like that and so it's just really exciting you know be like man this is this is our idea you know this is something we put together that people are you know excited about all over the world and it's just yeah it's a really cool feeling a really cool feeling so we couldn't be more thrilled about it yes sir yes sir and with uh boom bap review volume three man what what's some stuff that uh, what, what's some highlights for you or, or what do you tell people like hey this is what you're gonna find in the book yeah we're definitely new writers iomas marad has a few pieces in there which is really dope profound has a few pieces in there so broadening a little bit of, you know voices uh, in the book is really cool. Um, another really cool thing is like we came across this guy who was doing, we didn't know this, this guy named Lord Triple A. He has a really cool story about, about how he got involved in hip hop and how hip hop is, you know, not saved his life, but it borderline saved his life. And he was doing something called Boom Bap Reviews on Blogspot years ago. And so he hit us up and was like, yo, I've been doing this thing. You know, we both got the same name. So anyway, we worked it out. It's like, yo, let's let's kind of help each other out. So we 
we put one of his reviews, uh, retrospective piece in the book about Cypress Hill, which is super dope because I'm a you know huge Cypress Hill fan, and I really like how he he wrote about this group and about their first album. And so we put um, you know some of that blog uh, in the book. So that's cool. Uh, just the additional writers and um, that piece about Cypress Hill is, is exciting. And the other thing exciting about this book, we, you kind of touched on it, is you you know you have art like like Nas. Nas made the book. Nas made the, the top twenty. I think we put him at nineteen. Um, King's Disease too, which means there are eighteen artists that that got ahead of Nas that that can brag that yeah we we got ranked ahead of arguably the greatest MC of all time. And I think it's because 18, you know, groups, artists made better albums than Nas did, you know? And so just having, having, being able to spark that conversation, because I know people would be like, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, Nas is, Nas is the best. He, he should have been number one. And there's going to be people that say, no, nah, Nas made a trash album. That's, that's been flex garbage. That shouldn't even be in the book. And so just to be able to spark those conversations, with the list is exciting as well how do you view kind of just where the current trends and music and the way that artists kind of promote themselves are going and are artists missing out on some opportunities with some of these tools i mean i know you know touring's been weird with the pandemic and everything but i know i think everyone wants to get back to more shows and stuff just what's your general feel about that side of just music today yeah i just think art artists that are good at you know making good art and are good at you know engaging people are the artists and, and have a really great work ethic there's nothing that can stop you you know i mean if, if you put out good art and you're good at communicating with people and you do it constantly you know you can win in this game uh, in my opinion because uh, it's just the, the tools available to us are incredible so I think you you just have to keep working and keep keep learning you know I mean that's the thing that we're trying to do like yeah we got the book so we know how to do we know how to write a book now we know how to you know self-publish we know how to put it out and, you know so we know how to do that how, how do we sell you know 20,000 copies of this book you know is that possible how do we figure that out so it's, it's an evolving learning. You know, you're all, you always have to be learning, and especially with the way technology is it's moving, changing so so quickly. It's like, how do you try to stay up with that, but at the same time do the things that are going to root you for years to come, like a website. Big Stowe is always harping on artists to get a website because a website is something is going to weather the storm. Twitter will, will fade at some point. Facebook will at some point, but your website will stay for you know much longer so what are the things that you need to have that are you know probably never going like they're going to be foundational things that you can build off of and what are the things that you like have to jump on real quick ride that wave for a second and say nah this isn't me and then jump on the next wave but how do you balance that and it, it's just all about trying and learning and just working working like crazy you know just have a strong work ethic and a strong curiosity you know, an ability to, to get out there and, and fail a bunch of times and, and try things that don't work and change and, you know, just all that stuff uh, and, and constantly doing it and evolving as you do it, you know. Yeah, man. Tell them one more time, man. Where do they need to go in order to support MCTL and and uh, support everybody's hip hop? Yeah, just go to boombapreview.com and you can read all about uh, the book. And you can read about the guys, too. It's not just me. You know, my man Bo Brown's been there from the beginning. Uh, Big Stowe, my man Profound, Iomas Marad, and Joe November. And you can read about their favorite albums. And there's links uh, to to our social media um, there at the page, too. So, yeah, boombapreview.com. Get the book. Check us out. Let us know something. Love to hear from you. Perfect, perfect. And I guess since we've had you on now and we've had Stowe on the podcast, we're, like I said, we're going to have to work on getting some of the other uh, guys from the crew on here at some point. So we'll, we'll see if we can make that kind of some bucket list items as we move forward as well. MC Till, I appreciate your time and, and for hopping on the podcast with us, man, and excited for what's going to happen throughout 2022 over at Everybody's Hip Hop, sir. Yeah, dude, thank you, man. I really appreciate this opportunity, and thanks for what you all do as well, man. Thank you. 100%. So, guys, go check them out. 
boombapreview.com everybody's hip-hop support because these are the kinds of people that we need support for you know when it comes to the culture like just a hundred percent so go and do it uh again shout out to our episode sponsors including the bookkeeper 247.com check them out at tbk247.com and yeah we will see you guys on the next podcast All right, we're so glad that you tuned in for this episode of the 520 Collective Podcast. In fact, we don't want it to end here. Make sure to join our server on Discord and be part of the growing community that's centered around faith-based hip-hop. Let us know your thoughts about the topics covered in this episode and tap into a variety of live events. Go to 520collective.com slash Discord now to join.